you must remember Paul, he was from the tribe of Benjamin. Now, Benjamin was the most loved child of his father. Even more than Joseph. Benjamin. So, you know, the one guy would say, I'm from Reuben. The other one would say, I'm from this. But he would say, I'm from the beloved one. And he was very proud of that. I'm from Benjamin. And then God said, listen, I can love you and my love towards you is outside that. It's in another way. And then Paul said a very uh, 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 profound thing. He says that, that God counted me faithful to be an apostle and preach this gospel. Now, when did God count Paul faithful? Because Paul was on his way to Damascus. On his way to Damascus, he had a letter which he forced down him faithful. God counted him faithful while he was persecuting the church. He didn't say, I proved myself faithful. He said, I was counted faithful. So what it says was, the way God related to me was in Christ. It was God's reference about Paul. And in the same way, God counts every one of us faithful and qualified for that. Mozambique, it was very easy then to go and preach the gospel. I still believe it is, but it was easier at that time. It was just after the war. There was no shops. Literally, there was no shops. You went into that place and everything was in open markets. So you'll find 5,000, 8,000 people in one market. You drive in with your vehicle. You put up your speakers and you immediately have three or 4,000 people that you can preach to. Because nobody, they didn't know sound systems. So you can just go in there, put up the speakers and preach the gospel. We did, we, we would get about, if you count everybody together, 30,000 people per day. And we would go out every day into those markets and preach the gospel. It cost us nothing because everything was there. No advertising, nothing. You didn't have to rent a crowd. You didn't have to bust them in. They were there. In the one market, it was called the thieves market. If your car's light is gone, you go and buy it there. It's, it's really like that. <laughs> I went into the market, I said, who of you are thieves here? Put up your hand. 75% of the people put up their hand. I'm a thief. We preach there. Where will you get so many thieves together in one place ever in your life again? It's an opportunity where you cannot wait for the release of a man. Within three or four years after that, those markets were closed down. They back to malls and everything. You cannot do it anymore. It's gone forever. And here was I was I had this burning desire to do this. But if I would do it, I will be counted as a rebel because I have not qualified before a man. I want to tell you that God counts us faithful in Christ. To preach this gospel. The thing that qualifies you as a preacher is God qualified you in Christ and it is your knowledge about this gospel. If you know this gospel, you've got a mandate to go and preach and share this gospel. If you don't know this gospel, be quiet. Don't preach. Stay at home. 
Because this, and I'm not ugly when it comes to this. If you want to do a work of welfare and love people and help the people at hospice and, and serve the poor, give them food, do all of that because that is so needed. But when it comes to teaching the gospel, there's one thing that qualifies us, and that is the cross of Jesus and that we preach this message. When you've got this message in your heart, you, you are needed in this world. I want to tell you, our neighbors, the, the, your friends that you meet with, needs this gospel. Maybe you're ashamed to say, listen man, I, I want to share this gospel. I want to tell you, you've been counted faithful by God to go and share this gospel. Paul says in, in, in Galatians chapter 1, I've not been voted in to go and preach this. Does, does anybody have a message translation here? I left mine at home. Is there anybody? Just a message. Uh, Galatians 1, verse 1. Okay, he's got it there on an iPhone. Hallelujah. So, you know, if you're an iPhone, you're closer to Jesus. <laughs> That's what I'm using. So, the, the, the whole thing is, if we can realize that, like Paul said, I have not been commissioned by anybody. The revelation of what God has done in a man has commissioned me is the power in my heart. You know, I've, uh, um, Francois, you, you know, I'm just going to say what he said. He said the other day, listen, I'm not very good with sport. Who's our, which was rugby afrachter? Springbok rugby? Peter de Villiers. So the other day, he comes and he, 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 he says he's, in, he's in, um, in town and he got some of my CDs. And he saw, was at a restaurant? At the Wimpy. There's Peter de Villiers sitting at the Wimpy. And he walked past, he was on his way home. And then he felt he wants to go to Kumbuka. So he yielded to the prompting of going to Kumbuka. So on the way, into the mall, he saw, yeah, yes, Simon, he's Peter de Villiers. He ran, got the CD. One of, he felt in his heart he must give him one of my CDs. So he ran and got one of my CDs CD that I preached here called Jesus Ate Our Sins. And he gave it to Peter de Villiers. Isn't that awesome? It's a way in which we can, by donkey, in which we can share the gospel. When he saw him, there was something in his heart about that man's identity. When he saw him, he said, "This, there's something this guy needs to know. If he already knows it, he'll be happy to hear it again. If he doesn't know it, he will be happy to hear it for the first time. Very happy. Hallelujah. Amen. What's going to happen if I preach, preach the spring box? Next, next week, preaching the grace message to them. <laughs> Hallelujah. They're just as valuable as all of us. Thank you, Lord. I, Paul, and my, uh, and my companions in faith here send greetings to the Galatian churches. My authority for writing to you does not come from any popular vote of the people, nor does it come through the appointment of some human higher up. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, you don't need somebody higher up to say, listen, yes, the stamp, you've qualified now, you are now a preacher, you can now tell somebody about Jesus. You don't need that. What you need is a revelation of that man's identity in Jesus Christ. That's what you need. You need to know that his sins has been paid for. That's what you need to know. You need to know that Christ represented Him on the cross. You need to know the truth about 
His salvation, that He has been saved from the law system unto righteousness. 1 1 in the message translation. So he said, I, I, I was not appointed by somebody higher up. It was not by the popular vote of people. So, what does it mean, the popular vote of people? It means that if people had to choose if I must go or not, they would have said, stay at home. Because we don't agree with what you think. It wasn't popular. But it had a ma- major impact in the, in the Gentile world. Because it was a revelation that Paul had where he said that if one man died, then all are dead. It was something that God, that God revealed to Paul that said, Paul, Paul said something in Romans 1 verse 16 and 17, that no Jew could, he would never even speak it. He said these words. He said that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Now they all would believe that. And then the part that Paul said after that costed him 15 chapters to explain. He said, to everyone that believes, be it Jew or Gentile. So what he was saying is that the law by which the Jew person lived and found his identity has been taken away and is not even in existence in the mind of God. And that God sees people all the same. And there's a platform on which He relates to them. And that is the cross and the resurrected Jesus. Or God in bodily form. Which we're going to talk about. Romans 7. So here comes comes Paul in Corinthians. and, And he was counted faithful while he was persecuting the church. I want to tell you he was counted faithful before he was born. He was counted faithful when Jesus came out of the baptismal water and God said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Paul and everybody of us was counted faithful when, when, uh, in Jesus when the angels came and said, Peace on earth and goodwill towards mankind. And I've said it so many times, every time I say it, it blesses my heart. Goodwill means a good reputation. In other words, the, a reputation is some, it's, it's deeds that you've done, good things that you've done that is assigned to your name, that gives you a certain form of stature. Now, God says that goodwill towards you. Now, that, that is all in Jesus. Now, once you believe that, You find through your faith access into that grace and your life starts to consist out of the reality of what is done there. And you experience the new birth. Amen. Being born again is not... Let let me tell you this. Repentance. from You can repent from your sin when you say, "I, I realize that my sin is very harmful. It destroys my life. Maybe you've done some bad things. You say that it destroys my family, it destroys my, my, my marriage, it's going to destroy my business, maybe you've got bad habits or whatever. And you decide, I'm repenting, I'm leaving all these bad things. You repent from your sins. And now you start a brand new life. A new person is born. A new life comes forth out of you. But that doesn't mean you save. 
It just means you've repented from your sins and you're living a new life. There's something completely different when it comes to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is when you find the new life that you live originates out of a revelation of who He is. You find a new life in you. Not, not because you're sorry for your sins. I don't say we should not be sorry for our sins. I don't say that remorse will not come when you realize how deadful and, and painful your sin is. But remorse is not what saves you. When we confess Jesus as our Lord, the Bible says, and believe in our heart what is done for us, then we are saved. Like I said last Sunday, we preached so many times a historic Jesus. And Paul also preached a historic Jesus to a certain point and then in, 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 in uh, Acts. And then he came and explained what it means and that brings life, which we will read. I want to just read quickly from, um, let's go to 1 Corinthians. Hallelujah. So, you are faithful. You don't have to go through 20 submission things. And I want to tell you, if you're in another church and you come and fellowship here, the Bible says, live in peace with all people. Don't go and try and make as much havoc in your church in the name of Bertie Brits as possible. Listen, man, I also want to live here on this planet. Oh, it's the Lord. It's too late. If you want to spread the gospel, take a CD, share the word. The Bible says, uh, uh, um, faith that works by love. So you go in love to the brother in a revelation of, what, of, of his identity and you share the gospel with that person. You do it. But we don't have to go with anger and all those type of things. We go in the love that's in our hearts and we live. And you don't have to be under that bondage forevermore. You can go. You don't have to. And, and uh, um, you know, this, and I want to just speak on this a, a little bit. You know, um, I feel I need to touch on this more. So many times, and I, I spoke to Johan, he also spoke about this. You know, when you're part of a place and you feel that I want to leave there, I want to go to another place, you feel that I cannot go without the blessing of that person. And if that man doesn't bless me, I'm under the curse. Now let me tell you, man, that is not biblical. That's a lie of manipulation to keep people in the pews, to help the pastor's self-image so that he can feel I'm accomplishing my, my goal or my calling from God. Now, I, I tell you, the person that lives in that, I can love that person. But what comes out of that warped theology is bringing forth a lot of bondage and hurt in the lives of so many people. Amen. I want to tell you, uh, 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 if, if a person, if, if you're part of a, a place, there is a certain blessing that rests in friendship. You know, if I've got no friends and my car gets a flat tire and I don't have a spare tire, and my, I, I, I sit there, I need help, and I've got no friends. Guess what? I'm going to struggle. But if I have some friends and people that I fellowship with, I can quickly call Peter down the road and he can come and help me. So there is a blessing in fellowship, in friendship, like where you are or fellowshipping here. 
If you are here and you feel a bit down or happy or whatever, you can pick up the phone and phone somebody else that you know that, that's here, that's of the same mind, and there's a blessing in that. But there's no blessing from God now released because you're here. <laughs> we are here because the blessing of God has already been released in Jesus Christ. And we are fellowshipping around this blessing, not ever to curse anybody. The Bible says, with your mouth, in James, he, 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 James corrects the people, he says, with this tongue of yours, you praise God and curse man, made in the image of God. God comes and says, man is blessed in Christ. Now you come and say, if you don't come to my place, you are cursed. But just before you preached that, you were in the worship, worshipping the living God. And now you pronounce a curse over people. That is evil. It is wrong. And the fivefold ministry, which is called the Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Pastor and Teacher, has be, be, became a, 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 a hierarchy of authority. You know, the Apostle on top, then the Prophet, then the this, then the this, then the this, and this one is submitted to that one. And this is a whole structure with a big dude on top, which we don't know who he is. Because the guy on top, to whom does he now submit? Now, I'm not promoting rebellion. But all I'm telling you is, we live in the love of God, and uh, uh, the, the, the work of an evangelist is very simple. The word evangelist comes from the word evangelii, which means good news. He's a good newser. He's someone who goes around and he just preaches the good news. What is a prophet? A prophet is somebody that God has gifted to take the Old Testament scriptures concerning Jesus and reveal it in the new. And he also possesses a gift to tell you certain things of your life. That's all. He's no authority thing that without him, nothing can happen in this world. There was Stephen, uh, uh, or, or Philip, Philip the evangelist. What, what was Philip actually doing? He was just serving tables. In the eyes of the authority people, he was good enough to serve tables. But then God took him away and he preached to, 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 to a big guy from, uh, from Egypt. He shared the gospel with him. Went to other towns and saw many people receive Christ. Without first asking permission to leave town. I want to tell you, you are free in Jesus. You are free to love your neighbor. You are free to give out a CD. You are free to love... Who you are in Jesus. You're a free person. God's answer to people finds its dwelling inside you. Amen. You don't have to come and wait for some super duper anointing. The anointing, let me tell you something. God, God's power that came in Acts chapter 2. He says, in Acts chapter 1 it says, you sh He says, don't go and preach until you receive power. Okay? So what was that power? The Bible says, until you receive power to be my witness. What is the Greek word for witness there? It's the Greek word martyr. So what this power actually was all about was to have the ability to be martyred for the gospel and not fall away from the gospel. And we've made it this mystical cloud that must fall out of heaven with some gold dust and fire from somewhere, and then God's now going to do something for us. No. Let me tell you something. The power to bring salvation to people is in the Word of God. 
when you, let me tell you, if, if, I, if, 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 if you take this message and you write it down on a piece of paper and you give that piece of paper to a person, how can that be anointed? It is dead. It's ink on paper. But when you read it with understanding, it's got power. What power? The truth of the gospel is the power inside that. Now, don't say God doesn't give gifts. God gives gifts. And I, and I don't always know how to explain these things, but before I prayed in tongues, I prayed for the sick and they got healed. Before I even knew about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I would prophesy. I didn't know it was prophecy. I didn't know it was all these gifts. I just found it in me. And that's how the early church started. Paul said, you know, God gave us some gifts. They didn't go and say, well, tonight we've got a gift outpouring service. The gifts are going to be poured out tonight. So we're going to beg God for long enough and then we're going to see some gifts coming to the people. No, no. They believe, they just preach the simple message. And when they preach it, people believed it. When they believed it, what happened? We found power coming into the lives of people. There were some gifts that manifested, like the speaking in tongues and, and, and those type of things, when people laid hands on them. But I don't say that's the Alpha and the Omega of everything. The fullness of the Godhead is in Jesus Christ bodily, and you have that fullness in Him. Hallelujah. If you believe this gospel, you'll see the power of God in you. Thank you, Jesus, for this gospel. Thank you that you've come to set us free. So we are not... A bound people. We are a free people. We are free to come together. We are free to sing songs of, of, of God's splendor. We are free to go and, and, and uh, uh, share the gospel with who, whoever we want to share them with. Thank you, Lord. Without some popular vote or an approval of a man higher up. The Bible says in Luke somewhere, I think it's in Luke. It says, the, uh, uh, the mother of, of, of John came and says, Who will sit? Give that my one son will sit on your left and the other one sit on your right. Jesus says, Not for me to decide those things. Then he said, A wonderful thing. He says, In the world, they lord it over each other. But it will not be so with you. Let him that want to be great be the least. The other day I had, uh, I had a guy that talked to me about apostles. You know, the big apostle networks in, in, in the United States. And he wanted me to be part of this thing. So I asked him, I said, Now when I meet your head apostle, how is he going to serve me? I want to know how he's going to humble himself and serve me. Because I'm coming in at the bottom now. You know, according to normal structures. But he is lower than me, so I want to know, how does he serve me? What benefit is there in this thing for me? I don't know, you're going to serve him. I'm sorry. I can't be part. I cannot be part. If he would have said to me, what he will serve you with, is a knowledge of the gospel of grace, which he will preach to you, and he will send you a CD, so that you can be established in this message. I'll say, I'll be part. But it's not about that. It's all about, let's see how much we can scratch in underneath ourselves that we can be higher. So I want to say to you, Christ has come 
to set us free. We don't live our life in rebellion against any other system. And I want to say to those who watch me on, on, on the internet, I don't live in rebellion against any system. I've got a revelation of what Christ has done for the world and I need to preach it. Amen. There's a revelation of what God has done in man. Paul writes, he says, there are those people that come to you, they slap you in the, they slap you in the, they rob you blind and slap you in the face. And then you still call them great. You will never allow, there's so many people, when it comes to church, what happens in church, you will never allow in the secular world. That somebody talks to you the way this guy talks to you. That somebody just comes and says, listen, you do this, then this is going to this, and then it never happens and you still stick with it. Like, like my, my, my friend there says, Malcolm said, you know, he paid tithe for so long, but then this guy continues, we're still going to do it. But in the world, if somebody says to you, you do this, this is going to happen, and it doesn't happen, then you sue the guy or write a letter. But when it comes to the church, no, you know, we like. Because we feel that if we're not part of this, God will judge us. God will not love us. Because we cannot speak against the anointed of God and all those type of things. Paul came and he said, like, like the one my man said to me, he says, Bertie, you know, I, I'm a, a, a pastor and I've started so many churches. Somebody cannot just come from the bottom and correct me. That's not what Paul said. Paul spoke to normal people that had no authority in the kingdom world. And he said, if I, now look at it, Paul, the greatest apostle of grace, come to you and preach another gospel. You that are, that are now in today's world, a nothing, call me cursed. He didn't say, well, then you know, if I come with another gospel, you know, you better submit to me and God has got somebody higher up that will help me now, right? And, 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 and you just need to s- s- sit with this stuff. You know, and if your life goes to waste because of my wrong doctrine, God will bring me in account and you don't worry. Rubbish! It's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. There's, let me tell you one thing. When you stand before God, you stand alone. You and Jesus before the Father. That's enough. It's not, well, uh, 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 Bertie, now, I know it's not going to work this way, but just to explain it. Bertie, come and stand now. Let me do a count. No, God, I've been under pastor so and so. You call him. He'll do account for me because he preached stuff that we all know now is rubbish. So you talk to him, I'm free. Come on, man. It's not the truth. Christ didn't die for one man so that... Christ didn't die for certain people in town and now through them, they can now help you. You know, No, no, Christ died for all of us that all of us can have our own personal relationship with God. And that we can all be free in our hearts... And the only thing that binds us together, let us have respect for each other, is the revelation of love for every person. Amen. Honoring a person for years. I want to tell you forgiveness. Forgiveness, and you need to listen to this. This is powerful. It's blessed me so much. Um, Forgiveness cannot happen as a decision of man. It's impossible. God could not forgive us before the fulfillment of the law. So God in the Old Testament couldn't decide, well, they're now forgiven. 
And that's how we many times want to forgive people. People come and they harm us, and we think when we forgive them is when we say, the wrong they do, we accept as right. No, no. If somebody harms you, it will never be right. If somebody comes today and he uses drugs and he uses all his money where he's supposed to buy uh, food for his kids, are you going to say to him, no, that's all right now, Jesus has forgiven you. No, no, it is not all right. Your wife and your kids are suffering and you cannot continue with that. It will destroy your life. It is not all right. But there's a way in which we can forgive that person that even if he does that, that we are liberated from what he does. And this is the way God forgave man. God came and He said, man is unified with the law, which makes him guilty. If I can come and become a man and fulfill the law, man can be separate from the law. And that is the word forgive. The word forgive also means, it means to send away or to divorce from. So when we were divorced from the law, we stood separate from the law and we could say, this thing is what manifests sin in us and we could identify the flesh and I'm going to explain that in Romans 7 now. And here am I, separate from the law. That's what Paul said. He said, I came to this revelation. It's not I who sin, but sin in me. And sin has taken me captive. And I became a slave of it and it killed me. So when he became a slave of sin, sin, sin killed him, he also killed others. And it had a very bad uh, uh, thing in town and in his life. But when you see a person, and I like what Francis Latoy said, he said one day uh, a, a guy was, he had a friendship with a guy, he says, but then the law smuggled with his mind. The law twisted his mind. And this brother came and did and didn't did this and this and this to me. So that is true forgiveness without even saying I forgive you. Because you could separate him, divorce him from what brings forth the sin in his life. And you could see him separate. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them. Why? For they know not what they do. For he could separate them from what caused that thing. Now, a person that continues to choose to be part of the system that produced sin in his life, you can walk in absolute forgiveness towards that person without having anything to do with him. So in other words, if a person comes and robs you blind all the time, steals from you, always shouts at you, <coughs> or, 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 or lies about you all the time, you know what you can do? You can say, I see, like Paul said, my flesh uses the holy law to manifest sin. And this person continues to live under the law. So sin continues to manifest in him. I see him separate, so he has been forgiven. I'm not angry at him at all. He is forgiven. But I don't have to have anything to do with him. We think, we thought that forgiveness is, continue to hurt me for the rest of my life. That's not forgiveness, that's stupidity. God has made man to run away from everything that hurts you. So that we can veer away from all type of pain and abuse and misuse. 
Now, I'm not talking about marriage and saying everybody get divorced. Please, please, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about normal life. I mean, there was a person in my life that today, when I think of that man, he's a preacher, when I think of that man, I feel a deep, deep compassion for that man. I went to him. There was a time when he, 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 he started to believe false things about me and spread false things about me. I went to him to try and sort it out. It couldn't be sorted out. I went later on to try again to sort it out. And it was sorted out. But then he continued to live under this egocentric type of thing. Where he's under this law of the more I have under me, the better man I am. So then there's these levels. You know, Bert is there. I, the other guy's here. Other guy's on the ground. And another person is here. And I'm on top. And he continued to live there. And out of that, he came and spoke so harsh with me. You know, and rebuked me with swear words. And I, you know that I said, well, I know why he does this. It is sin living in him and he is actually a victim of this very thing. So I feel a compassion towards him. But I also realized that it's not safe for me to be in that environment all the time. It hurts me. So I could close the book there and walk away without the devil telling me, you've never forgiven this man. You've never forgiven this man. Oh, you better forgive him. Because why are you not all the time at his church? Why are you not writing to him? Why are you not this? Why? No, no. When the prodigal son left the father, do you think the father walked in unforgiveness by not sending servants afterwards every day? No, no. Absolute forgiveness. And I want to tell you that, that you can be free. Because we've lived with this thing of you must forgive and we think forgive is accept the wrong all the time. And say the wrong that is done is actually okay. If somebody goes and lies about me and preach in churches and say, you know this Bertie Brits, he's he's preaching against a tithe, he's going bankrupt. Some of his people supporting is going bankrupt. And that's what people do. You know, and I go and I try to speak to the brother and he continues and even use what I say there as more material. Then all I say is, man, I feel sorry for the guy because the law is killing this man and I've got a great compassion to the point that I can even live in the prompting of God to, when I, to give him a scripture and pray for him and speak good things over his life. But I'm not fellowshipping with him. No ways. Yeah, it's me, bro. I'm on gevaar. It's like a dog that has been hurt. A hond wat seer gekryd by die seerste, my bro. So you, we're not walking in unforgiveness and don't let God, or don't let Satan condemn you concerning that. We don't have to, so many times we have forgiven people long ago, or, let me put it this way, so many times we could never forgive people because we refuse to say that I will never come to the place, I will never forgive him because what you're actually saying is, I will never accept that wrong as a right. So I'm never going to forgive him. Well, if you understand forgiveness, God forgave the world. The Bible says, God forgave us by nailing the Lord to the cross. It wasn't God's decision to say, well, what you do is okay. 
It was God separating you, divorcing you from the law, so that you could stand separate from the law system and your flesh. That's why the Bible says that His Word comes and divides asunder between spirit and soul, bone and marrow. He divides this thing up. This is flesh, this is spirit. And relate to you according to the spirit. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, you've set us free. I thank my God always, on your behalf, for the grace of God which was given to you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you were enriched by Him, in all utterance and in all knowledge. So he says that God has enriched you in everything that there is to be said about the gospel and in everything that there is to know about Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you came behind in no gift, that word gift is the word grace, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here, here with the church in Corinth, they've made it. Paul came and he had an outreach there, or he preached there, and within that time when they received the gospel, they reached a place where the Apostle Paul could not teach them anymore where they knew everything and has heard everything that there is to be said. Now, isn't that awesome? They came behind in no gift. This is the church in Corinth. We today think, you know, we need to reach some mystical place of more and out there. Let me tell you something. If I can teach you that there's some mystical revelation that God has someday that is going to especially pour out in 2010, and I can convince you that He will pour it out through me, I will use your love for God to get you to come to my church. I know this will not be a very popular message, you know, all over the world. And I'm not saying go like a lazy thing and every Sunday just go down to the beach and never listen to the gospel of grace. I'm not saying that. But if, because the Bible says, don't think there's no power in gathering and speaking about this word. But the motive is completely different because now you're coming and you're living from a mentality if you think that I've got a special revelation that you can never get from God and that there is something more, then I can tell you, you know, this Sunday, or I can give a prophetic word for 2010 and I can say, for 2010, God says it's the year of revealing the secrets of God. And then you think, if God told Bertie that, it means He's going to reveal some of those secrets through Bertie. So I'll better be there. And then you'll come. But your attendance would not be a fruit of the Spirit. It will be the, 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 the trophy of the victory of the message of condemnation over your life. Coming because I'm actually condemned and scared I'm going to miss. Here Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says, you received Christ. Just after you received Him, there was nothing we could teach you anymore. You came short in nothing. The only thing that you awaited was the coming of Jesus. Can a person be at a place where he knows it all? And he's heard it all. And he only waits for Jesus. Well, the church in Corinth, the whole church. 
And then even after having that knowledge, they went into sexual immorality and shouting and being in the flesh. (laughs) But they had it all. So what I want to say through that is, there's nothing very mystical about the gospel. The the, the thing, I I preached this morning in a church in in, um, Malmesbury. Paul said, I've come to reveal mysteries. So there there were things that was a mystery. But now the Bible says, the mystery has been revealed. It's Christ in us, which is the hope of glory. And I don't want to talk about this hope of glory thing now, but this mystery has now been revealed. So there's no mystery thing anymore. Maybe there's a mystery to some people, but the fullness of the knowledge of Christ has been poured out, and it has been written in a book for millions of people to read wherever they are in the world. You can, get this, you, you can get Bibles for free everywhere. If you've got internet, you can download them. If you want a free one, ask somebody. Even in the, in, 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 in the worlds where you're not allowed to have a Bible, Bibles infiltrate there. They can go onto the internet and download the thing in 16 translations. Amen. Much easier these days. Those days, years ago, and even still places where people don't have internet or access to that, they... Uh, I mean, people, listen, people download these things, they make audio CDs of it in their language, they translate it, and then they give those CDs out to people. They write it and give it out in biblical, in that form to people. The Bible is going everywhere. I want to tell you that the, the knowledge of Christ is written in a couple of pages. And we can read it in simple English or Afrikaans, if you're Afrikaans, and understand what it says. And know what Christ has done for us. Amen. We don't have to be led around by our noses, hungering for something that's so mystical that the guy who says it's mystical doesn't understand. The mystery that there was is revealed. The Holy Spirit came to do one thing, and that is to tell us what we have freely received in Christ. If, it, if it's a message, if the message is not you freely receive it in Christ, it doesn't come from the Holy Spirit and it doesn't come from God. Go read 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Here Paul comes. He says, listen, Christ, you've received everything. He says that in everything you were enriched by Him, in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. So you came behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall also confirm you unto the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, God has confirmed you in the beginning. He gave you everything. He gave you His Spirit. And He will confirm you even until the end, in the day of Jesus. He will say, you are holy and righteous before me. God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I beseech you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in one mind, and in one same decision or judgment. So he says, listen guys, we've preached this gospel amongst you. Now you've received it all. Christ who's confirmed you in the beginning, how did he confirm them? They received the Holy Spirit. They, they, They received that new birth that happened in Christ. They received it. Now he says, he's faithful to confirm you blameless even in the last day. He's not going to leave you half, halfway. The Spirit was the sign, when they received the Holy Spirit, it was the sign of their perfection in Christ. 
that they are so holy that God can live in them. Now he says, he will confirm you until the end when he comes. He's not going to stop halfway. For he's faithful in this, that we have been joined in one with him. So God's faithfulness is not contained in an emotion somewhere where God feels happy to confirm you as blameless. God's faithfulness is in the fact that you have, that God possesses a human body called Jesus. As God is faithful to keep Jesus righteous, He's faithful to keep you righteous. Because if he, if, as long as what Jesus is holy and righteous in heaven, you are holy and righteous today. So His faithfulness is not contained in an emotion, how do I feel about John or Peter or Mary today? His faithfulness is contained in the fact that God became a human being. For God not to be faithful to you, He has to part with Jesus. For God not to see you as blameless, He's got to part with Christ. Or you have to part with Him by willfully saying, He's not my Lord. Think of that. So He says, listen, I want you guys to say the same thing. Preach the same thing. Share the same thing. Now listen to what it says here. For it has been declared among me, of you my brethren, by them which are of the house of Cleo, that those are, that there are contentions amongst you. Now this I say, that every one of you say, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So what is he saying here? He says, there are some of you that say, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, I am of Peter, I am even of Christ. Now you might say, but they should have said, I am of Christ. Now what it was referring to there was, there was people that walked with Jesus on the earth. And after Jesus went into heaven, they said, well, you know, I'm not even of one of you guys. I, I was a disciple of Jesus himself, you know. I was there when he multiplied the bread. I was there when he, when he, when he did this miracle. I was there when he raised the dead. I was there when... I'm of this physical discipleship of Christ. I'm of that. Paul says, man, you're in the flesh. We don't even relate to God in the flesh anymore in that sense. He says, listen, I didn't baptize in my own name. So what he was saying is, I was not making this my own disciples. What you were baptized unto is, you were not followers of Paul. You were not followers of Peter. We made you followers of Christ. And you follow Him. And we preach a gospel where you follow Christ. And His message of grace concerning your life. Hallelujah. So I want to tell you this. You are a free people. Bought with a great price. And Satan comes with so, many, so much condemnation. I'm a testifier of my own life. I've been part of systems where the death message was preached. And I believed grace. I preached grace. They just became angry with me. And I was receiving so much persecution there. But I couldn't leave them. I couldn't. Because deep, Deep in my subconscious mind was rooted. If you are not with this group or with a group of, or a governing body, you can never be blessed. You are a rebel. You're a lone ranger. You are busy with the sin of witchcraft because rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. God, your finances will not be covered because you will be out under the umbrella of God. 
Because God's umbrella is the local church. And the local church is now that denomination. (laughs) I don't understand that. And it was so difficult for me to step out there. But when I stepped out, I realized that there's a group of people that believe the same thing. And there are people that are enlightened into this. And that we can fellowship around the truth of the word. And not around the manipulative system. Where we can be really free. Hallelujah. Amen. Ek is so bekommerd, my vrou. Sal bang om huis toe te rui. Let's go to the book of Acts and, and, and we just read Acts 13 there a bit. Listen to this. What is the gospel that was preached? See, what's the time? Thanks. Yes, see. Okay. Acts 13 verse 38. Paul comes, and if you read from verse, 13, verse 20, you'll see, he just comes with a bit of history and Jesus, where he comes from, the son of who he was, and the whole thing about Jesus. Then he said, and this Jesus, we want to tell you, he died, and he didn't only stay dead, but he rose again. And that was just simple historic facts. Now, I want you to listen to this. It was just historic facts. But then he came with what made people angry. He came with the interpretation of the historic facts. What does this mean? He said, this Jesus died and He rose again. Therefore, we declare unto you today. Verse 37. Listen to this. Acts 13, verse 37. Or verse 38. Verse 37. But He whom God raised from the dead saw no corruption. Be it unto... Listen. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren... So he says, he was risen from the dead. Therefore, I want to declare something over you. He says, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. We declare through this man to you forgiven from your sins. You don't have to pay money to get forgiven. You don't have to bring any sacrifice to be forgiven. You don't have to be... Through this man we declare unto you forgiveness of all your sins. And by him all that believe, so we need to believe, are justified from everything um, from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. So what is he saying? He says, there's the law of Moses. When you live under the law of Moses, you need to obey these ten commandments. Then the the law will justify you. Say, I declare you just and blessed. Now he says, you could not be holy by the law. But this Jesus, when he obeyed, he obeyed on your behalf. When he died, he died on your behalf. When he was raised, he was raised to never die again in perfection, representing me and you. And when you believe that, I want to declare to you that through this Jesus, even if the law finds you guilty, he declares you righteous. Now that was something. That was something. It's like the man that went to the temple to pray. Two people went to pray. The one said, God. He left his home. He had in mind all the good things he's done for God. He had in his mind the approval of God over his life because of the good things he's done. 
as he went to the, to the temple to pray. Then he said, God, I want to thank you for giving me the ability to, to obey the law. I tithe, I fast twice a week, and I pray every day. He mentioned even tithe there. Then there was another man, he left home. Didn't have the law in his mind. He had a God in mind that can bless a sinner. Yes, I want to cry if I just say this. When he left home, he went to meet with a God that can bless a man that doesn't qualify. And the one said, God, thank you for giving me the ability to obey the commandments so that I can be blessed by you. The other one said, I've never obeyed anything, but I rest my mind in a God that can be merciful. Then Jesus said, listen to the words he used. He said, the second one is justified rather than the first. Now what does justify mean? The word justify means to be blessed according to your righteousness. So you were righteous, you were as you ought to be, and now you are blessed according as you ought to be. The second one that rested in the mercy of God was justified more than the first. So if we even take it to the tithe there, he would have been more blessed than the guy that tithed all his life. And he, and, he, and he was a tax collector. He was stealing. Not tithing, stealing. So what, when we come to God, I don't say... Never give. I don't say never go to church. I don't say when somebody preaches the gospel, see him as a low doormat. Because I'm a preacher and I'm not your doormat. I'm a person that Christ paid for. And God has, has, has given me an ability to understand the gospel and share the gospel with people. And Paul clearly says, when you see such a person, he's worthy of double honor. Why? Because what he preaches brings you life. And he's given his life for your life. That's it. Amen. So I don't say, go and talk to, 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 to a preacher and somebody. You know, it's like, like this one guy, and, and I know I'm in the flesh now when I say this, but understand what I'm saying. Is, I mean, my wife and I have come to a place where we almost died for the spreading of the gospel. Man. We've left businesses and uh, uh, everything to preach the gospel to people. We've done that. And I don't say, you better honor me because I've done that. But what you honor is the love that God releases in that man for people. So I don't say go and live in rebellion and just hate preachers. That's wrong, man. I don't say go and see how stingy you can be. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that we start a new rebellion and a new revolution. No, no, we are preaching the gospel as the Bible says it is and we are living our free lives. Amen. With great honor and great respect and great love for each other. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's close our eyes. Father, I want to thank you for this gospel. I want to thank you for the message of grace. I want to thank you to every person that is here. That's heart has been hurt by abuse. That's, that's placed themselves under so much condemnation. 
that this message brings relief and freedom to their hearts. Thank you, Lord, that where, where they felt that they were nothing, they realized that they are what you are, holy and righteous. And that you called us, you are faithful, you count us as faithful, you've set us free from all bondage of religion, and we are free to love people with all our hearts. We are free to let Christ live in us. And my God, as we were under the law, we yielded our bodies, we yielded our mouths, our minds, and what we did, our energy and strength, to the work of the flesh. But as from now, our bodies are yielded to the prompting of your Holy Spirit. We yield our members unto your righteousness and your grace. Thank you that you live in us, O Father. Thank you that you set us completely free in Jesus. For the first time, we don't have to fake you, but we can see you live in us. Thank you for absolute victory in Jesus. Thank you for the liberty to go and love somebody where we're always disqualifying ourselves. Thank you for the liberty to be friendly with people. Thank you for the liberty that we have, that we can see somebody's value and reach out to them in Jesus. And thank you that we can see our value and enjoy your fellowship with us and being in unity with you. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, my Father. We love you, we honor you, and we declare you as our Lord and our Savior. I thank you, Lord, that there will be that we will be the people that live with most love in this world. Like Paul said, under this grace I've labored more than them all. That this is not a license unto apathy or laziness. This is a license unto hard labor where we love people because we cannot help ourselves. We cannot help to see them as valuable. We cannot help to see them as, as paid for, but ignorant of this truth. And we want to share it, my God. Thank you, thank you, thank you for saving us from death unto life victorious. Amen and amen.